uh, so I gave him my phone number. You know, that was before cell phones. So I gave him my phone number. He called me the next, my home phone. He called me the next morning. And I the said- The day he, she's supposed to have an yes, abortion. Yes, he called me like 7.30 a.m. And the abortion was scheduled for like one. And he said, are you still willing to meet my, with my daughter? And I said, yes, absolutely. So I got there and knocked on her door and she looked like she'd been crying. And so she'd blowing smoke in my face and using words that I probably shouldn't say on this podcast. Mm-hmm. And, and I said- I said, hey, Chris, I said, I'm not here to try to talk you into anything. I said, but I would like to talk to you. Can I come in? So she finally reluctantly let me in. She said, well, you need to make it fast because it's it's a little afternoon and I've got a one o'clock appointment at the abortion clinic. And I said, I know. So let, let me get straight to it. And I looked at her face and I felt the Lord show me that she didn't really want the abortion. Mm. I heard I heard this coming out of my mouth. I looked right in her eyes and I said, Chris, God's showing me that you really don't want to get this abortion. Even though you've had one before, you don't want to get this abortion. God's showing me that the reason you're doing it is because you're afraid the baby is going to be deformed because of your drug addiction. And when I said that to her, she started weeping. I said, you choose life and I will put you on a plane We'll take care of your plane ticket to Louisiana. You'll go to the Louisiana home. And I and I and I said when she was crying, I knew I I had her. So I yeah. said, I I put my I said, can I pray for you right now? And she said yes. And I put my hand on her womb, and I said, in the name of Jesus, if you choose life, this baby's gonna going to be made perfect, and there will be no deformities, none of that. God wants you not to be fearful of that. You choose life, and God's gonna take care of the rest of it. And uh, so two days later, she was on a plane on the way to Louisiana, and she was full of anger, but she got delivered from drugs. And so she she had her son. She decided she was going to keep him, and he is the light of her life to this day. He's in his 30s now. Before we get started, I wanted to give a shout out to our sponsor, Proper Creative. They help me with our brand content and, of course, making our swag. They're the ones that ship it out to us. That's Proper Creative, and they work with any type of business, whether you're a big corporation or a small business or even running it out of your house. They will work with you, and they will help you and relieve a ton of liability and work from your shoulders. That's Proper Creative. You can follow them on Instagram, P-R-O-P-R, or you can go to their website at P-R-O-P-R. P-R-O-P-R-L-L-C.com. Let Proper Creative help you build your brand and sell direct to consumer, regardless of the size of your business. Proper Creative is definitely a good choice. Welcome to another week of Level Up with Matt Rogers. I'm your host, Matt Rogers. With me, as always, the engineer, the producer, Eli Adelman. Hey, man. How are you, bro? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm fantastic. Yeah. Obviously, for those of you who watch on our YouTube channel, not just listening on Apple and Spotify, we have a different background today because we are on site at Mercy Multiplied. Eli, I feel like there's times in my life where I've met people that have been like the highlight. Like when I met The Rock, when I met Sylvester Stallone, because I was a huge Rocky fan growing right, up. Right. And I met these people. So those were, you know, being on American Idol, like Simon Cowell, like that was cool. Yep. Doing this podcast that you and I have been, you know, hammering out this last year, this feels like one of those Sylvester Stallone rock times. <laughs> I would say like spiritual equivalent, maybe. Well, see, because here's the, I'm glad you brought that up. This there's there's a difference between someone who's a celebrity and someone who has an anointing on their life. 
This woman has an anointing from God on her life to not only multiply what she's given, but multiply the potential that God has put inside of all of us, regardless of their background. She is a uh, multi, multi uh, author, various books. I've already gotten my gift basket by coming here, and I think I have at least four of her books. Um, she is an entrepreneur, a businesswoman. She is a mastermind, but but more so, she has a heart of God for people because unless you guys knew, you know, if you they didn't know this, Eli, God's into people. Yep. God really likes people. And she does. And I want to speak to the women out there that listen to our podcast. If you have ever suffered from depression, if the thought of abortion or suicide has ever crossed your mind, or you know someone in your family that it has, or one of your friends, you're going to want to turn this up right now. And before we even ask you to like, subscribe, or share, turn it up because you are going, your life's going to be changed right now because I could already feel it. So I'm so blessed and honored to be not only in your presence, but in your building, Nancy Alcorn, <laughs> I would say in the house, but I'm in your house. Yeah, you're in, you're in the house. And because you're the new voice of the Titans in the stadium, <laughs> I wore this shirt today in honor of you, my man. I am so excited. I wanted you to come here because uh, for those of you listening, we have a, an amazing Titans room yes, in our three-story office building. And I showed Matt all the amazing jerseys we have and pictures from the past in the Jeff Fisher days and, and even beyond. And uh, so, yeah. So I wanted you to see all that, and I thought it would be cool to have you here so we could kind of, you know, give you the background on what we do. And I'm glad you did. Lauren is awesome. Lauren, uh, Lauren's here, and she showed me the ins and outs. And I'm glad I did that before sitting down with you because, you know, I've – did my research, did my homework, you know, you know, read up, studied up about, you know, mercy multiplied and you, but when you come here and you see the stories and Lauren, you know, gives you the tour, if you will, mm -hmm. you know, you feel the anointing and in, in what you've done. And I've already cried once cursor or a precursor. Eli and I might have a side bet of how many times I'm going to cry this episode. The over-under is two and a half. I've already done it one time. So I got one and a half to go. Uh, but honestly, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. I, I knew when you called me, I felt an instant connection with you. And it's because that we both have a heart, of the heart of God for people. Amen. What you don't know and what a lot of people don't know is like this is an answer to prayer because, you know, we one thing about our shows, like, you know, I feel like God really brings us unbelievable guests mm -hmm. and you were kind of like one of the dream guests. Really? But yeah, you were, because I was telling you this before, I think when I was like 12 or 13, you came and spoke at my church, Covina Assembly of God. And then in like the last three months, I've just been hearing and seeing about you a lot. And I'm like, Lord, if I can get her and sit down with her and I just was hoping for like a Zoom meeting and this is how God works. Like now I'm yep. sitting with you and like you said, instant connection. So yes, I really feel honored to be here. Well, I feel, feel honored that you came and I feel honored that you love what we do. I do. We're all about healing broken hearts and setting people free. You are the founder of Mercy Multiplied. Uh, before we get into your backstory, can you kind of tell people what is Mercy Multiplied? What do you do and, and how are you helping so many women? Well, um, I, after working for the government for eight years and seeing no results whatsoever, I mean, just people just still in bondage and 
the government telling you can't tell people about Jesus and he's the only one that can forgive sin and heal broken hearts and set people free. So uh, after that, I just felt like that, that God had taken me through eight years of government work to show me all the programs that look good and sound good on paper. But the reality is the lives don't change. So, um, you know, a friend of mine around that time, I was still in my twenties said, uh, pay attention to what makes you angry because it may be a key to the, that you are maybe supposed to be one of the somebody's that steps out and does something. I was angry that all that these young girls in this prison that I worked in were being told they could never change. You're damaged goods. You'll never be able to mount anything. And then three years investigating child abuse cases, and I literally saw little boys being sodomized, little girls being raped before they ever got to the school age. And I'd go, I was in emergency child protective services, went out with the police all hours of the night. And what I realized is that I just spent five years in a, working in a girls' prison where there were about 300 girls any given period of time. They had committed criminal offenses, but they were too young to go to the women's prison. So mm-hmm. I was athletic director there for five years. And then I got recruited because of my criminal justice background to be in emergency child protective services because we'd have to go out with the police in the middle of the night and see all this horrible stuff. And and so anyhow, uh, I was really kind of like, God, what are you doing? I don't, I'm having nightmares about these little kids. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm seeing Jeez. horrible stuff. And you, when you say you've seen them, you're showing up on the scene yes. after you know, minutes yes. after it happened. Yes. And, 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 and also violent, like this mother was out, you know, selling her body and do for prostituting and doing drugs and left her kid with uh, her boyfriend. And they were in this sleazy hotel in downtown Nashville. It's about two or three o'clock in the morning that I got called to meet the police there. Literally had to knock the door down, walk in. And this little boy, probably about seven or eight years old, he was laying on the bed and he was, he, he had been beat to a pulp. But And the guy was over in the corner, and he had taken his shoe off, you know, like those men's shoes that had those hard heels. Oh, yeah. He had literally beaten the kid to a pulp. He had, had We had to rush him to the hospital, had broken bones and, and everything. And I, so I, had, I leaned, the police are cuffing the guy, and I'm leaning over trying to be real gentle with the little kid. And so I'm barely whispering, like, can you tell me what happened? And he, he managed to get out. Bad man beat me. And I mean, it's just heart wrenching, you know. And so I, I was angry at what I was seeing, and the, and 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 I was like, God, I don't want to do this anymore. I can't. It's too hard. I'm having nightmares. It was too emotional. It's too hard to see this stuff. And 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 God spoke to me, and He said, "You stay right where you are because oh I'm, I'm 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 what I've done is I've you spent five years dealing with angry teenagers." Because and now I'm taking you back in time and showing you the things that wow. happened to them when they were little kids. That's why where the anger came from. And your anger is coming from the fact that I'm angry and you're feeling my righteous indignation because this is so evil. What's happening to these people? And then the other thing, you know, like I had to interview the perpetrators and I'm wanting to kill them, you know, and I'm having to wrestle with. Wait a minute, God, that's not my place. And I had to learn. Um, one about the why behind the what like for anybody to abuse a child they probably got abused when they were a child so that's the why behind the what and so I was wrestling with trying to have compassion for the people that were doing this evil stuff knowing that you know it was demonic and sure working through them but anyhow so after eight years of that God gave me a vision to start residential programs for girls who want help because right not everybody wants help so uh the three things that I felt like God spoke to me to do, take 
take young women in free of charge ages 13 to 32 and like sex traffic, sexual abuse, eating disorders, unplanned pregnancy, suicidal, you know, what, uh, addictions, uh, a lot of cutters, you know, self-harm, whatever the problem is, Jesus is the answer. And you, without, uh, having full freedom to share Christ, these lives will never change. So that was sort of the vision before I ever stepped out in faith to start. Um, it was take girls in free of charge, and they have to want to come. Their parents can't send them. The government can't send them. They have to apply to come and take them in free of charge. They need to know that they can trust you, that you're not trying to make money off their problem like all the right. other places they've been to. And secondly, no government money or any other money that would take away or restrict the freedom to share Christ. And then thirdly, uh, that we we believe that our needs are met through our giving. So as an or I do this as an individual, and I've seen it work in my own life. But God said the same way that tithing works in your personal life, it will work through the organization. Your so give ten percent of everything that comes in from the get go, and your needs will be met through your giving. So the first place started in, in 1983 in West Monroe, Louisiana. Used to, I would go, uh, you know this, Matt, you know, used to, I would go, West Monroe, they go, where's that? And now when I say West Monroe, Duck Dynasty! <laughs> right? <laughs> now I know where West Monroe is. <laughs> yeah. Let me ask you this, though, because, and this is important for our listeners who are, you know, non-believers or, or not Christians. Uh, what I would want to ask you is, you don't take any government funding because if you do, you can't share Christ. Why is that important? Because, you know, women who are abused in, in these situations, like they're countless, like mercy multiplied right now cannot take all of, you know, the women in America, let alone the world. What's the difference between a woman that goes in government help, which is good, I want to say, or, but you know more than me, I I just would feel guilty if I said not yeah, good. Yeah. And then a, a woman who comes to mercy multiplied. What's the difference? And then why is the God factor so important? Well, usually in government programs, if, if the teenage girls go somewhere, it's usually because they, they're in trouble for one thing. But they get their physical, usually physical needs get met. But the, 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 the deep wounds that have happened to them, sure. the brokenheartedness, the things that they've been through, that part does not get tended to because uh, I will say the difference is that only only Christ can give a person a new beginning. Second Corinthians 5.17, if any person be in Christ, they are a new creation. Old things have passed away, all things are new. So instead of saying you're a loser, you can never be mount anything, that's what I heard in all the government programs. You know, you're damaged. Who's saying good. that? Are, are the people? Yes, Counselors. Like, so they're coming in because they're looking at them as the bad person, right? right? And you're looking at them the way God sees them, their potential and where God's exactly. calling them to. That's it. And so anyhow, so God took me through eight years of government programs uh, and seeing the reality of how they're not working so that I would never be tempted to go look to the, quote, experts of the world, right. you know? <laughs> so anyhow, uh, the difference is in, in, in the sharing of Christ, the girls come in, they feel, they feel like they're losers because they've been told that. They feel like they can never get help because they've been told you can never change. They, they are filled with shame and guilt and condemnation. And a lot, a lot of them are filled with self-hate the, because they hate the choices they've made, but they made them, and here, here we are. And so then the self-hate turns into self-harm. We have cutters, you know, all that. And so in, with the gospel, there's a way for the, 
the condemnation, the guilt, and the shame to be lifted off of them. And even a young girl who walks through the doors and she's pregnant, you know, we have a licensed adoption agency for girls that want to choose that option. But it's not up to us to decide. If a young girl walks through the doors and she's pregnant, the first thing we tell her is, you know what? We're so proud of you. Wow. Because you chose life. You Amen. chose life. So we're proud of you. God's proud of you. He's not mad at you. So if you're sitting here feeling shame about being pregnant, we just lift it off of you right now because God's proud of you. We're proud of you. It's just a total different perspective yeah. if they went, you know, to a, a different place. It'd be like, well, of course you're this way. And, you know, you should be ashamed of yourself. Or, right. You know, how can you bring a child into this world? Right. You're not equipped. And right. it's totally different. So we, so when, when a girl's pregnant, we feel like it's our job to lead her to Christ, to help her understand that she's loved unconditionally and that and and help her to learn how to develop prayer life and a personal relationship with the Lord so that she can in turn be led by the Spirit of God about whether she wants to parent or whether she wants to place her baby for adoption. And over the years, it's been hundreds of, of girls. That's just one issue, one of many issues we do, but it's been hundreds of girls, and it's been about a 50-50 split of what they've chosen. But they they choose what they want, and then they get to say what they want in a couple. And in our 40-bed facility next door to our office building where we're filming right now, we have what we call our baby wall of fame. So we have all mm -hmm. these baby pictures down this massive hallway on the uh, on the uh, the floors where the wings are where the, uh, the girls stay it's a beautiful facility but anyhow we have grown some of the the first option we did was like in 1985 or 86 so we have babies that were born uh, to young women that came into our program that are now married with their own children and they they make trips here to show their kids their picture on that baby wall. Okay, you have to I, I have to ask you the, the, Lauren showed me a story upstairs. So I'm gonna break the fourth wall with our viewers right now. When you go up to Nancy's office, her whole desk is filled with pictures of her and people and sometimes just other people. Well there's a picture I want to say it was taken like 25 years ago and you are sitting with four beautiful little babies they can't be over one years old and you're sitting in the middle and you know your baby's like this and then there's a picture fast forward like 18 years later and she's sitting in the middle and now they're all full grown uh there was only one boy in that picture the other were three girls right please tell the listeners and viewers that story about the boy and his mom because it's a beautiful story and i cried yeah so uh i was speaking in nashville in the early, I think the year was like 93. And I was speaking uh, at Christ Church, uh, which happens to be located right next to this property. And that picture you're talking about, by the way, was made pretty much uh, uh, before either one of these buildings were on this property. So we're probably very close to setting where we're sitting right now, being where that blanket was. <laughs> really? Or not. Yes. That's awesome. So before this building was built, we were like on a blanket on the property. And we thought the reason we made that picture is because these ba these were babies that had been born to young girls, and we thought the picture represented life, new life, but new life in Christ. So it was symbolic of a lot of things. So Parker, the boy on the blanket, his when I was speaking at Christ Church, they 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 used to have to have like three Sunday morning services that was packed out, you know. And so the pastor wanted me to share about the vision. We didn't even have the home open, but why I'd come come back to Nashville, what I was going to do, what I was going to start. And back then there were so many like, 
Christian and country music singers that went to that church. And so a whole bunch of them ended up getting involved and supporting. And so anyhow, that one, that after one of the Sunday morning services, uh, this uh, tall, nice-looking gentleman walked up to me with his wife and tears streaming down his face, and he said, my daughter is pregnant right now, and she has an abortion scheduled tomorrow. And he said, would you be willing to meet with her? I said, absolutely, I'll meet with her. And he said, and he, he said she's already had abortions before, and she, she's a drug addict. And, you know, she's, she, she just needs help, period. And he said, somehow, just I think you can help. Just a desperate dad please help me. Yes, desperate. And so, uh, so I gave him my phone number. You know, that was before cell phones. So I gave him my phone number. He called me the next, my home phone. He called me the next morning. And I the said. The day he, she's supposed to have an Yes, abortion. he called me like 7.30 a.m. And the abortion was scheduled for like one. Oh, my gosh. And he said are you still willing to meet with my daughter? And I said, yes, absolutely. And he goes, I said, do you want to bring her into my office? Because I had an office downtown where we were doing our fundraising to build the building debt-free. And so um, he said, he, he just kind of, you know, said, oh, there is no way she's going to come to your office. He said, if you're going to talk to her, you're going to have to go to her. And I said, okay, I will go to her. But under one condition, you have to tell her that I'm coming. I can't just show up and knock right. at her apartment door. So he let her know I was coming. So um, I wonder what he said. I saw some lady speak at church named Nancy, and she's coming over. Like, yeah, and, and she was close to her dad, but she was had major anger issues too, you know, right. and mostly angry at herself for the bad decisions and poor choices. So anyhow, um, I go knock on her door. She knew, and she flings the door open, and she's, smoking a cigarette and she blows the smoke right in my face. Wow. So letting me know she had, had no reason. She didn't want me there. And I just said, what you, her name was Chris. What, how do you know what to say in that situation? I know. Right. I, I, well, we did pray. I did pray. I uh, uh, had a couple of my friends pray with me before I went out there. That's God would go before me, prepare her heart, prepare the way, help me to know what to say. So let me ask you, because this is a, such a deep question, because people talk all the time, oh, God spoke to me, or I prayed before I go. What does that really look like? Like, do you just say a simple prayer? God, I'm going, I don't know what you're, you know, what's going to happen, but walk before me, and then you're in the situation and it happens? Or do you feel an anointing or a word of God come over you before you walk in the situation? What does that look I've, like? I've actually experienced it both ways. But either way, I'm going by faith. And I know that God says, if you go, I'll go with you. So I'm like, okay, God, let's, let's go, man. You said, if I go, you go with me, so let's do it. So I got there, knocked on the door, and I was, uh, she was blowing smoke in my face, smoking a cigarette, and she looked like she'd been crying, but she was stunningly beautiful, like gorgeous olive skin, like gorgeous. And I met her parents. They were nice looking, so I, 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 that was not that big of a surprise, but I was just like, and so she'd blowing smoke in my face, and using words that I probably shouldn't say on this podcast. And, and I said, I said, Hey, Chris, I said, I'm not here to try to talk you into anything. I said, but I would like to talk to you. Can I come in? Something like that. So she finally reluctantly let me in. And I said, she said, well, you need to make it fast because it's, it's a little afternoon and I've got a one o'clock appointment at the abortion clinic. And I said, I know. So let, let me get straight to it. And I looked at her face, and I felt the Lord show me 
that she didn't really want the abortion. Mm. And and here's what I heard coming I out of my any, mouth. I mean, you're a woman, you know better than me, but I, I don't think any women really do want the abortion, do they? Or am I speaking out of line there? No, I, I mean, you know, I, I've never been in the situation, so I'm, I, I would think not, but some feel like they really have no choice. Right. You know, because you, what am I going to do or whatever. And that's one reason why we, I'm, I'm pro, I can't just say I'm pro-life and not be proactive about helping pro-life, but, but sure. someone make that choice. So, so we provide a practical way that a young woman that's facing an unplanned pregnancy and, and, and doesn't feel like she can do it on her own to choose life. And we take care of her during the pregnancy and give her her choice. So, so with Chris, I just, I heard, I heard this coming out of my mouth. I looked right in her eyes and I said, Chris, God's showing me that you really don't want to get this abortion, even though you've had one before. You don't want to get this abortion. God's showing me that the reason you're doing it is because you're afraid the baby is going to be deformed because of your drug addiction. And when I said that to her, she started weeping. So that's a word of prophecy, a word of knowledge. Yeah, right word there, of right? knowledge. Word of knowledge. Did you yeah. get it at that moment or did you get it like right before you walked in or as you're driving and talking to God? Like when did you get it? I got it in the moment. So awesome. When I, when I heard myself saying, you don't really want to get this, then the next thing I got was that. <laughs> right. And I just spoke it out. And that's when she started sobbing. And so then I told her about the, uh, at that time we only had the first home in Louisiana. Now we have numerous facilities across the country and even some other countries. But I told her, I said, you choose life and I will put you on a plane. We'll take care of your plane ticket to Louisiana. You'll go to the Louisiana home. And I, and I, and I said, when she was crying, I knew I, I had her. So I yeah. said, I put my, I said, can I pray for you right now? And she said, yes. And I put my hand on her womb and I said, in the name of Jesus, if you choose life, this baby's going to be made perfect and there will be no deformities, none of that. God wants you not to be fearful of that. You choose life and God's going to take care of the rest of it. Was that a prophetic prayer too? Or is yeah. that just a prayer of faith? Or- it was a prayer of faith, but I believed it. Right. <laughs> and uh, so two days later, she was on a plane on the way to Louisiana and she was Full of anger, but she got delivered from drugs. She got set. Uh, she's the only girl to this day that's ever punched a wall so hard that it broke the drywall. Really? She had what that much was anger. She so angry about just mad at herself, mad at the fact that she had ruined. Uh, she thought ruined her life with the addiction and just stuff like that. But you know, so anyway, a lot of self hate, and uh, so anyhow, we were like Chris, you know. No, it doesn't matter what you've done in the past. You can have a new beginning. You have a new start. And all that goes away. You, you know, you learn from your mistakes, but now you got a, a new beginning. And so she she had her son. She decided she was going to keep him. And he is the light of her life to this day. He's in his 30s now. So that's the after picture and that I saw. And, like, I'm not even joking. That is a Good looking dude. Like, yeah. what's his name? His name's Parker. Parker. And he's a huge Titans fan, too. I saw we that. He had a Titans love. jersey. Yeah. So I hope he goes to a game. Let me ask. So, going back to that prayer that you spoke over when you put your hand on her womb, um, the next, whatever, seven, nine months, whatever it was, are you, do you keep praying, like, thank you, Lord, that what I prayed is going to happen? Do you ever get nervous because of circumstances? She used drugs. You know, you know what I'm trying to say? Are yeah. you walking out the miracle? of a healthy baby with her or like when, you know, you're at home by yourself at night, like, God, I know that prayer, but I really hope you show up on this one because if this baby does come out with some challenges, you know, we're all going to look really stupid. Yeah. 
Yeah, you know what you, I mean? Or, you know, yeah, I do know what you mean. How do you walk mean. through that? I, I, I have a great staff, first of all. So the staff that were working in the home at the time, they were fully aware of the story, everything that I've just shared with you. And we were all together in faith. This is, We're going to pray, pray it through. This child's going to be born perfect. And he was. And we, we just believed it. You know, we right. believed that God was going to honor her step of faith in choosing to go rather than going to the abortion clinic. So this, so, so I tell people Parker was, he knew, he knows the story too. And he loves his mom. He's very close to his mom, but, um, he, um, he, he knows the whole story. He's spoken and told his story at some of our events. Wow. And he and I have attended some football games together too. That's so great. Huge Titans fan. Well, I raised a, him up. Right. And, and you, you know, like you're kind of like, a man's woman too. When I'm around you, like you're, you're just cool. Like you like <laughs> football. Like, I think that's just so cool. Like, you know, outside of this, like, I really feel like you'd be a really cool hang. So maybe we can kick it. One hey, day. I don't know. I'm just going to throw that out there. Um, let me ask a very simple question, but I know you'll take it deeper. Why are you pro-life? Well, I, I actually believe uh, in the value of every human being. I actually do. No, even if it's somebody that don't believe the way I believe, I believe every life is valuable. I believe what the Bible says that God says He knew us even before we were in our mother's womb, and He formed every intricate part. So, if we're a creation of God and He formed our intricate parts while we were in our mother's womb, then He's interested in us making it into the earth to actually have a life to live. And uh, I think that it's. You know, I, I feel for, I'm, I want to say this because I think it's important for women out there that have had abortions. You need to know that God loves you just as much as he does the girls that did not get an abortion. He, he loves you and he doesn't want you to hurt over that. And if your heart's hurting over past choices you've made, he's just as interested in you as he is the young girl who's carrying the baby and chooses to birth that baby. So I want to say that because I never want anyone who's had an abortion to feel like I'm heaping shame and condemnation on them because I'm not. And, and I'll go a step further. You give your life to Christ, you go to heaven one day, you're going to hold that baby in heaven. You're going to know that child and that <laughs> child is not going to be mad at you. They're going to love you. Amen. Um, I really feel led to ask this because one of my, uh, one of my dear friends and his wife lost their baby um, and they had every intention of having it. Facebook pictures were pregnant. We're right. so excited all the way through and they lost the baby and she is still hurting really badly right now. And like they reached out to me like, you know, Hey, can you help me? I'm hurting. So I'm going to kind of use you right now as that help. If that's okay. She said, the biggest thing that's bothering me, Matt, is that when we lost the baby and they performed everything that the baby's heart was still beating. And it's really bothering her because she didn't want to have it. I don't know all the whole background and everything, but like for her, what, what would you say to her? Because I mean, it, that wasn't a plan. Like they lost the baby, right? Something happened medically. I don't know the whole story, but right. I just know she's hurting. Yes. Um, the, and, and rightfully so anybody would be, and I'm sure her husband is too. And it's, um, the best, in fact, I can give you, I can give this to you to give them before you leave today. But remember, since you said you heard me in West Covina, that's in California for people that yeah. don't know where that is. <laughs> yeah. So since you you lived in California, you probably heard of a pastor named Jack Hayford. Oh, yeah. So Jack Hayford 
wrote a book, and he admitted that he had judgment. He said, here, I am a pastor, and I'm supposed to have love and compassion toward people. And he acknowledged in this book that he had judgment against women who had, who had abortions. But he also took it a step further, and so he asked God to forgive him for that, and God led him to write this book, to own that as a pastor, and then to basically minister to people who had, had abortions. And then he took it a step further for people who have miscarriages or whose babies, uh, like your friend, didn't make it for whatever reason at birth. And he, the name of the book is called I'll Hold You in Heaven. And, he, and in the book, he, ta- he takes the, the people that have lost a child like that through the grieving process step by step. It's important for you to know that it's not your fault. And, and we don't, you know, the Bible says that we don't know everything. You know, we don't, but, but that child is still going to be in heaven with, with your friends when they get there. And, and the name of that book, I'll Hold You in Heaven, it's so amazing uh, the way that he shares and ministers to the heart of somebody who's hurting over that type of situation. So I would say that, that the best thing I could do, because we're in the middle of a podcast and, you know, I'm right. not, I can't exactly take all the time to just do that one situation, sure. but I will send you away with that book to give them because it's really powerful. Thank you so much. Take, so take me back to the, you know, even before the, you work for the government, like how did you become who you are? You're obviously a woman of faith. You said off camera that you weren't really a believer until you were 18. That's right. And I mean, you have a heart of gold. You talk with God. You definitely have a prophetic anointing on your life and you're just an anointed person. Like how did that start? Like, well, uh, you know, it's kind of crazy because I grew, I grew up, I, I believed, I, I believed there was a God, but I grew up hating God because I had a, there were seven kids in my family and my youngest sister got crushed to death on a tractor in my dad's lap. It was a horrible thing that happened. And I was about nine years old at the time. And so I, I, I didn't know Christ, but here comes all the I'm not saying Christian people. Here comes all the religious people that think they have to explain to you why this just happened. So one person said, came, uh, and this is back in the day, you know, the South, they would put the casket right in inside our house. Jeez. So it was awful experience for me as a nine-year-old. But I, but, and we lived in a pretty small house, so you could hear everything that was being said, and people would come. And one person came in and said, you know, God took her. God did this. God took her because he needed another angel to sing in the heavenly choir. And I remember as a nine-year-old thinking, Flip, I hate your guts, God, if that's what you do to people. I hate you. I remember thinking that as a kid. And then here comes the next one. Well, you know what? God knows, and it was just her time to go. Well, I'm nine years old, and I had enough sense to know that it's not your time to go when you're three and a half. I mean, give me a break. Seriously. And so all, all of these religious people were trying to explain something that could not be explained, really. It was a tragedy. And, and What should they have said? Because I know that there's so many listeners right now that, A, agree with you and feel you, mm-hmm. and B, may have said that because they don't really know what else to say. Yeah, it's, te- it's definitely an uncomfortable situation. But what, what we needed was just, for, just to, we just needed people to be there to be with us, cry with us, sit with us. We didn't need anybody to give a religious explanation. So I grew up hating God, and I was a rebellious teenager, typical, you know, skip school, go drinking with my friends, you know, all that kind of stuff. Nothing, I never did drugs or anything. But three weeks before my 18th birthday uh, is when I got born again. And I had. How did you get born again? What happened? Well, my, 
there was a girl that was a cheer. I was I played sports in high school, but my friend was a cheerleader, and her last name was A. So back then, you know, you're in the same homeroom by the alphabets. So she was in my homeroom, and she was an outspoken Christian and believer. So I would get in front of her. I I, I liked her, but. I didn't like the fact that she was a Christian because I'm still hating on God, right? So I would get in front of her and I would say cuss words and just to, I, just get to her. irritate her. And she, I tried, she had this love coming out of her that I'd never seen before. And I tried to push it away wow. and it wouldn't go anywhere. You know how the Bible says uh, love never fails? Yeah. First Corinthians 13, love never fails. And it was uncomfortable to me because I was used to being able to like push things away that were uncomfortable at, but for some reason, she got to me. So I was mean to her. I cussed in front of her. I made fun of her. I, you know, talked bad about, I would, you know, just make yeah. fun of her faith. Yep. And so God meets people where they are, right? So she called me. You were like the female Saul. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so she calls before me. Before he became Paul. So she calls me up three weeks, and it was three weeks before my 18th birthday, three weeks before I was leaving to go to college. At Middle Tennessee State University, I'd already made contact through a friend to hook up with a drug dealer because I was going to graduate from alcohol to drugs. Really? Yeah, really. And so she called me up and invited me to go to this youth revival. She said, it's not preachers. It's not uh, pastors. It's just young kids, uh, high school and college age, given their testimonies. of and, and, I, and honestly, this is what I felt. I felt guilty because I had been so mean to her. Did, so, she, did she know that you were talking bad about her? Did she know that you were so Oh, I saw it right in front to her face. Why would she call you? Because she, she knew who she well, probably I, was in Christ and knew that you were hurting, right? Yeah. she. Well, I found out after I gave my life to Christ that week that, that she and her friends had been meeting weekly praying for me specifically for three years. <laughs> oh, my gosh, dude. That is awesome. I know. So... I That's didn't know powerful. That. I know, but she knew. So God assigned her, me to her to pray, pray me into the kingdom. And when she called me to come to this meeting, I kind of got irritated, but then I felt guilty. I said, this is the least I can do is go with her because I've been so mean to her by that time. So I, basically I felt guilty for being mean to her. And that's the only reason I went. And it changed my life. I gave my life to Christ. I immediately like, you know, it was her, it was her and her friend who who was up there talking about how she went off to college and had an affair with the married man, got pregnant, and then he he had promised to marry her, and then he said, "Oh, you're you believe that you really really believe that I was going to leave my wife, give me a break," and he t called her foolish woman and go get an abortion. So she did. She went and got an abortion, and uh, then after that, she was suicidal because she couldn't cope with the fact that she had taken the life of her baby. So she. Serious suicide attempt, ends up in the hospital. She's up there telling this story, and I'm looking around like, where are the church bouncers? Surely they're <laughs> going to throw her out for talking about stuff like this. I didn't you know. were, were you used to religious people? I Is that why? No, yeah. I wasn't used to anything. Okay. But I just didn't know that. I'd gone to church a couple of times, but it, and, it, and it was just usually some old dude up there, you know, yeah. reading out of the Bible. I never listened. I didn't care. I didn't want to know about it. So, but... This got my attention. These are real people talking about real stuff. And, and that girl made such an impact. And so she said an older woman heard, knew of her story when she was in the hospital, came to the hospital room and said, God's not mad at you about any of this. 
and prayed her through all of it, led her back to a rededication of her life to Christ. And she's up there telling her story with this big glow on her face. And I'm looking around like, I didn't know people talk about stuff like this in church. Like, this is pretty cool. And so I was into it because it was real stories of real lives. And there was one guy that was involved too. And he, he was, he was in college. He played football at Clemson university and he was hot. Well, he's up there tears streaming down his face talking about Jesus. That, that all of a sudden, like, I mean, obviously I'm attracted to the guy because he's so good looking, but then there's a guy letting that plays football for Clemson university up there talking about Jesus and letting tears come down his face. Like I never seen anything like it. It in my heart, when they had the opportunity to pray for people yeah. to come to Christ, my heart was beating so fast. And I mean, it just got me. I mean, God just got me. So I, I, so I called, so I told my cheerleader friend who I'd been so mean to, I, I said, I want you and that lady, that girl that had the affair that had the abortion. I want you two to pray with me and lead me to Christ. So they did. So anyway. Um, it's cool, though, like seeing your personality now and how I don't know you personally very well, but I can tell just by looking around like, you know, I know God built this, but he used you to build this. Like mm-hmm. you have a personality. You have. A, it's funny, even back then before you, you know, had a heart for God, you saw something that you wanted and I want it this way, this way, this way. And I want her to pray for me and I want you to pray for you. Like you've always had that. <laughs> You know what right, I mean? Like, right. <laughs> well, what was so funny is when they when they prayed with me, I I I I didn't know I was I think I thought I was gonna like see a thunderbolt or mm-hmm. a, a lightning bolt or hear thunder or something, but I didn't I prayed the prayer by faith as they led me in it. And and so then afterwards I'm just like crying and sobbing and they go, What's wrong? And I said, I don't feel any, I don't, am I supposed to feel something? I don't feel anything. And they go, you were crying or you weren't crying? No, I was. Okay. So I thought maybe I had been so bad that God wouldn't accept me. You know how the devil just yeah. lies to you. So I was thinking that, and they took me, they, they took me to first John one nine and I didn't have a Bible. I'd never read the Bible. And they, they said, read, listen to what this says. If you, um, confess your sin to God, didn't you just do that? I said, yeah, as I'm crying. Then he is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. This is what the Bible says. It doesn't matter what you feel. You just did this, and he just did his part, and you are now a born-again believer. And I'm like, then I started laughing. <laughs> crying it's that easy. Oh, okay. And so, and then the, and I said, look, I, I, I knew that they were going to do this revival thing for three more weeks so I said okay let me just tell y'all something thank you for praying for me and I and I'm all in now I'm all in I'm 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 all gods and I said but there's one thing I want you to know I will never ever I'm a private person when it comes to Christianity I believe I'm just gonna be real private so I'll never I'll never pray out loud I'll never give my testimony I'll never speak in front of a group so don't even ask me to you know like I'm not and they started laughing at me and then I got mad. And I'm like, well, why are y'all laughing? And they said, girl, we've been praying for you for three years, and God's already showed us you're going to be like Paul. And oh I said, my gosh, and dude. I said, who is Paul? <laughs> I didn't know if it was, I didn't know if it was her brother is or he here? Fa- Paul? dad. I meet like, him. And they looked at me and they said, uh, do you have a Bible? And I go, no. And they said, 
we're going to, so they took me to the bookstore, Christian bookstore, and bought me one of those greenback living Bibles because yeah. they understood that I needed something that wasn't the these and the thou and the those. Glory to God. <laughs> so a living Bible, for those of you who don't know what it is, it's like a modern day translation that, that reads like we would talk today. So I started reading that thing, and I mean, I could not put it down. From, from And I found out through reading that I didn't have to hate God anymore. I forget, I asked God to forgive me for hating him. And I tell, and I said, God, I don't, I realize now that you're not the one that comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And you did not cause that accident to happen to my sister. And please forgive me for hating on you all these years. I'm going to serve you. And, you know, there we go. For those of you who can't see right now, I just gave her a high five. <laughs> I, do, I got a tough question for you. I don't know if it's going to be tough for you then. Because uh, this is a struggle for me, I believe the same way. There's a an enemy. There's an enemy that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Mm-hmm. Jesus came to give life and life more abundantly. Right. The number one thing that I get from people that don't believe that way is, well, then how do you explain all this stuff in the Old Testament? How do you explain the plagues? Right. How do you explain the first plague. So now I want to ask you, how do you explain that? If okay. God doesn't come to steal, kill, and destroy, how do you explain all that stuff in the Old Testament? Well. Uh, there was good and evil in the earth that happened with the fall, just to keep it simple, basically. Yeah. New covenant. You know, you're you're a business guy. I'm a businesswoman. So the, the New Testament is a new covenant, a new agreement. To break it down for mo- in modern-day language, it's a new contract. We, we ripped the old contract out, up, and now we have a new contract. It's called God's grace, God's forgiveness, we, he who knew no sin, he literally became sin for us. Second Corinthians five twenty one. If you own a Bible, look it up. He who knew no sin literally became sin for us, so that we could be given the gift of righteousness. It's not anything we earn. We can't earn our salvation. We can't be good enough to get God's approval. He he just approves of us when we when we ask for forgiveness. He gives grants it to us when we be our ask Jesus into our heart. Uh, then we are to live by this new agreement, this new contract. When mm-hmm. I, when we, if you and I get in a business deal together and we both sign a contract, then we're obligated to to, yeah. be, to to meet the terms of that agreement. Well, the new new contract is Jesus died once for all, and mm-hmm. I don't believe that my name got written in the Lamb's Book of Life when I got born again. I believe it was already there. Christ <laughs> died for every human being that would ever be born on the earth. And so the only way it gets blotted, a book of Revelation talks about your name getting blotted out. Yeah. The only way, the only unforgivable sin to me is if you leave the earth without receiving Jesus Christ as your Savior. Wow. And and you don't, your name's not blotted out until that happens. So you're out there listening to me and you're not a believer. I would encourage you just to pray a simple prayer. Just say, hey, man, I, I need you. I need you in my life. I feel empty. I feel lost. I'm, I'm, I don't like some of the decisions I made. And and I, I need I need help with my life. I, I want to I want to be a better person. And God, I can, I'm not a good. See, there is no one good, no not one. That's why we need Jesus, right? Because even in the New Testament, it says that. So, yeah. And the, the reason I ask that is, that, and that's why Jesus is the ultimate game changer because it doesn't really matter what you believe about the Old Testament. The New Testament changes everything. Yes, like, you know, He says, you know, in these last days, God has spoken through His Son. So. Yeah. You know, not that you want to throw away the prophets and throw away Moses, but it's been fulfilled yes. through Christ. Like, yes. like you said, we're under a new contract. Yeah. I and so it. we don't live under the law anymore, like they did in the Old Testament. And there's all kinds of types and shadows, which we won't get into. But basically, for new believers, I encourage them uh, 
you know, if you, I encourage them to get into the New Testament first for new believers. What so bringing it back to mercy multiplied? What was like the first thing or situation that happened? Um, maybe when you were working in government, maybe it was right after you gave your heart to the Lord. The first thing that happened, the event or whatever it was that you said, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start mercy multiplied. I'm going to help these women, whether it's an abortion, whether it's just plain old depression, which fast forward now, 25 years later, whatever it is, it's, that's the real pandemic almost is depression, anxiety. Right. When did you get that vision to where that's why I'm here? That's my purpose. Well, when I worked at that girl's prison, there were it was a big old campus. It looked just like a, a women's prison, except it was for teenage girls. And so I was athletic director there. My office was in the gym. We had a big gymnasium, indoor pool, uh, you know, like, and I was in charge of all the uh, intramurals. So we like, softball, basketball, all that. So I did all that. That was my job to to provide activity for them. And so during the uh, during the uh, meal break, I used to set out on the steps of the gym. I could see all the buildings of all the dorms where the girls, I could see them marching single file, house mothers and guard, prison guards marching them single file to the auditorium that, uh, I mean, to the cafeteria that was the other end of the campus. And I used to set out on the steps of the gym and I started dreaming about what would it be like? And I didn't realize that then, but mm-hmm. I, I know now. What would it be like if every person that worked in this prison were believers. They knew the word of God. They had, they, they knew to tell the girls, God loves you unconditionally. It doesn't matter what you've done wrong. You can, it's never too late to turn your life around. You don't need to be mad at yourself. We're not mad at you. God's not mad at you. He just loves you and he wants to become a part of your life so that he can bless you and you can live a life of joy and peace and believing, you know, and all that. I used to sit and out there and just dream about that. And I, it was only later that I realized that was the beginning of when God was planting a seed in my heart to do it a different way. So awesome. And now here you are. I mean, correct me and expand on this, but, you know, you started in Louisiana. Now you have a place in uh, California. You have a place, I mean, worldwide, the UK. Uh, Lauren was showing me your board up there, just what yeah. you're doing. Like, you really are global. Right. And we also have outreach services now, and, uh, and we call it Keys to Freedom, and it's an eight-week study, and we train leaders all over the United States and all across Europe, and it's been translated into seven languages. And that's a whole different thing than the residential programs. But the residential programs, uh, the, key, the, the Keys to Freedom came from our counseling model, Choices That Bring Change. Because, you know, Deuteronomy 3019 says, this day, God says, what day, every day it is that you're hearing this, this day, I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose life that you and your seed may live. So for me, who's never given birth to children, that means all my spiritual children, you know. Yeah. yeah you know. So I, ch- I shudder today to think, what if I had said no when God asked me to step out in faith and leave Tennessee where I grew up my whole life and go to Louisiana to start? And, and I was, I will have to tell you, when God said, take them in free of charge, I didn't have any money. Like, my friends had a going away party for me the night before I left, 38 years ago, this year. I left Tennessee to go start the first one in Louisiana. And my friends had a little going away party for me the night before, and they pulled some finances together and came up with $1,000 they gave me. So I left Tennessee with $1,000 in my par- pocket to go start. $1,000 and a vision. And a vision. Did you have a job? No. In fact, God said to me, 
uh, well, I say God said to me, I didn't hear an audible voice, but I knew in my heart. Yeah. Because I am a very hard, I got this from my dad. He worked two jobs to feed seven kids. I ha- have a very strong work ethic. And I'm, I was very self-sufficient. Mm-hmm. And so what God showed me through my prayer time was you can't, you're going to be tempted to get a job when you get there. He said, if you'd been lazy, then I would have had you get a job. But he said, you're so self-sufficient, willing to do anything it takes to do whatever, get whatever you wow. need, that I got to break that in you. I love how when God speaks to you, he says, if you were lazy, you would get a job. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All of us are saying, you're lazy, go get a job. God's <laughs> saying, if you get a job, you're lazy, but keep going. Yeah, I thought yeah, that yeah. was funny. Well, yeah, because what he said is that, you know, he showed me, and I knew it. I, I would I would work, you know, my way through college. I paid my own way through college. I paid for my first car. I worked in high school trying to save money for college. So I was a, a hard worker, had a strong work ethic, and God said, I have to break the self-sufficiency into you because if you go there and get a job and start, you know, saving all this money, trying to get it going, then you're going to, you're going to feel like that you're the one that did it. So I want you to go and trust me and it's going to be a walk of faith. I'm sending you with a thousand and the first instruction is you tithe off that first thousand that was just handed to you. So I, I got planted at a local church when I got there and wrote that first check and, and I mean, it was crazy, like the things that God would have me do, like go in a restaurant and order food when I didn't knew that I didn't have the money to pay for it. I, and that was only one time he asked me to you do would that. Go, you went into a restaurant and ordered food? One time. And you didn't have any money? And I didn't have the money to pay for it. But you just know but God's going to do something? Yeah, I knew that God, it, it was like a test or something. He said, I'm going to build your faith up. It's like, But when I tell you, to, if you hear me uh, leading you to do something, then you do it. So what? Tell me that. So story. I would love to tell you that I enjoyed that meal, but I choked on just about every bite of it because I was envisioning myself in the back washing dishes, <laughs> you know, to pay for it. <laughs> so anyhow, so but I did. I went in the restaurant and ordered, and uh, I was by myself. I ate the meal, uh, and finally kept looking around, and I kept waiting on the bill. And I finally, after about thirty minutes, I said, "I've got to face this." So I asked the waiter to bring my check oh honey i am so sorry i forgot to tell you there was a couple in here and and they left about 30 45 minutes ago but they said that they wanted your bill and they've already (laughs) paid for the tip and everything and and i'm serious that happened but god would have me do crazy stuff like that and what did you, like, I always picture, like, what did you do after that? Did you cry? Did you laugh? Did you get in your car? Like, what did you do? I just, I remember saying, God, you are so real to me right now. Right? Yes. Got in my car and just was just thanking him. And thank you for teaching me how to do this. Well, walk in faith. Thank you for teaching me. And in that verse, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. My understanding screaming at like, like, what? I'm going to go in and order food when I don't have money to pay for it? The, the whole thing was my own understanding screaming at me. What do you mean free of charge and tithe and no government funds? Like I, That don't even make any sense. He said, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. Acknowledge me in all your ways, and I will direct your path. And it's been like that the whole 38 years, just directing my path. I, I got involved in a, a local church, started meeting people that were well-connected in the city. And uh, just like when 
I got connected with Jeff Fisher years ago when he was coaching the Titans. Mm -hmm. God said, I'm going to connect you with people that have influence and favor in, in the cities that I take you to. And they're going to, they're going to lend their favor to you to open doors. In other words, if Jeff Fisher says mercy is a good organization, then other people believe it because he has influence, right? Right. So same thing with, uh, Naomi Judd. She, when I met her, she would tell people to give to us, uh, that was, but the same thing happened to me in Louisiana. Like this, well, these these people that own the Coca Cola plant. Most, a lot of people don't know this, but the original uh, uh, Delta Airlines originated in Monroe, Louisiana, of all places. So I met the family who who's uh, that that was, was on the board at that time for Delta Airlines. Wow! And everybody knew them, and they knew everybody. So they would take me and introduce me to people, to the mayor, to, you know, to different. Uh, leaders in the city and the Rotary Club was real big in Louisiana. All the business people went to that. So they invited me to speak at that. And then they, the newspaper interviewed me. I was interviewed on TV. What, tell us what it is that you come here to do. So I was going to say, when you would speak, would you just share your testimony kind of like you and I are right now? Yeah, I would just tell, and, and all I had to point to was the government work and how it wasn't working. So I'd tell stories out of that. And I said, so I'm, I'm, I am going to open. I, and and here's the difference, uh, 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 too. There, the Bible talks about the faith that comes by hearing yeah. the Word of God, mm -hmm. and that builds up faith in you hearing the Word of God. But then the Bible also speaks of a gift of faith. And I believe that God dropped in me a gift of faith to start mercy because it never occurred. It, not one time did I ever think it wasn't going to happen. I knew it was going to happen. <laughs> So I just go out and speak about it. And so uh, to this day, the people in Monroe and West Monroe, Louisiana are so special to me because they believed in the vision before there was anything to point to. And so I, when I go back there and speak and we have, you know, fundraisers there and stuff and the, uh, the whole Duck Dynasty family's involved with us and, and um, uh, Phil and, and Kay support us financially and several others and, it, it's just been cool. I mean, just people like that. But but so once Louisiana was started, then I had something to point to when I came back to Nashville. Nashville gets open. The, the I had favor even with the bank people in the bank. I had bankers come into my office before we built the building saying, we'll loan you the money. You're not going to be able to build that thing debt free. I said, oh, we're going to build it debt free. And you were just speaking it before it happened. Yes. Yeah. And that's what we're supposed to do. Speak by faith. Call those things that be not as though they were. Let me uh, ask you this question. Okay. Why is it so easy for you and for us to look at someone who's hurting and know that it's God's will to heal them, uh, to get them off drugs, get them out of depression, that they have the baby? Why is it so easy for us to have faith in that? But it's not easy for us to believe that it's God's will for someone to be healed of cancer or for someone to be healed of uh, diabetes or for someone to be healed of, uh, of an infirmity. Why do you well, think? I, I think, I think a lot of it has to do with people that have seen people pray for people to be healed and then they didn't get healed. But I've also yes. seen plenty of people pray for people to be healed that <laughs> did get healed. Right. So, so my deal is I'm praying for them until there's nothing left to pray about. Right. So, cause I believe by his drops, we were healed. And I do believe, I feel like in the coming days that God is going, I, I believe we're going to see one of the greatest end time moves of God. And I do believe that we're going to see people get healed. I have something to tell you. Okay. You're sitting in front of a guy that's going to lead that movement. 
awesome. Well, can, I just can, thought I would let everybody can, can know. Can I that. be all in with you? I think you and I are going to be very, very good friends. Okay, I do moving too. forward. I, do I just, too. I mean, it's one thing that's just always challenged me because you know, my mom passed away uh, from um, sickness when we were believing, mm-hmm. and um, and I still to this day I, I know that that was not God's will for life because I didn't see that in the life of Jesus. That was my experience right. and it wasn't Jesus's experience and he's the one I'm following. So I never want to lower him to my circumstances. I want to keep raising my circumstances right. until they match him. Oh, that's and good. That's, like you said in the beginning, what angers you is probably something you're called to. Yeah. That angers me because I know that there's so many people that are hurting and that have a terminal diagnosis or that have no hope. And there are religious people coming to them. Well, you know, sometimes just God needs another flower for his garden. And I know. That his ways so aren't our ways. Ooh. Ooh. You know? Yeah. Well, that makes me angry too. And you're angry that your mother's life got cut short because sure. you knew it didn't have to be that way. I sure. love it. So yeah, you're, you're going to be leading the movement. But, I, but like you said, I never feel guilty. Of course I miss her in the natural and stuff like that. And you know, I know she's in a better place. I know she's in the arms of Jesus, but I, I never want to use my mom's experience. So the next time I'm in that situation, which is very often, and I'm praying for someone that has the same thing as my mom, I don't ever want to adopt a theology of, well, God took my mom, so he might take this person because right. if I think that way, I can never really pray a prayer of faith that right. releases Right. Healing, right? Right. So we can't think that way because God didn't. I had to learn, like I had to learn that God's not the author of another person's pain. It's not God's will for somebody to get sold into sex slavery. It's not God's will for a little child to be abused. That's not the will of God. So Jesus came to right the wrongs, basically. Amen. Before I let you go, let me ask you, what is the toughest part about what you do for you? What is the toughest part for you? The hardest part. Well, in the early days, the hardest part, in the early days, like we're we're 38 years into it now, but in the early days, the hardest part was finding the right people that had the same uh, belief system, same faith. But fast forward to today, I will brag on my staff in every location we have in America and also in other countries that they are called to to do this work and they're anointed to do it. And they, we, we're in unity. We're in line, uh, divine alignment in what we believe. So, you know, together we have the mind of Christ. And so, like my leadership team, we can get in a room and strategize about stuff and and talk through it. And and it's it's so it's so exciting to me to have that today when I didn't have it in the beginning. So the hard the hardest years were the beginning years because, you know, I I was. I was probably hiring people that should have been in the program back in the early days. And now I have an HR department who's anointed to interview and hire and see things. God put it in my heart to see the potential in people. So I'm basically ignoring all these red flags and just hiring people that had all this junk in their life. I was going to say, so did you go through some growing pains? Like, oh, that was a bad hire. Yes. Good thing that person's gone. Yes, I did. And and, And I had what I had to do was learned that I to believe God for people that were better at things than I was. Right. So I have a team that that is, uh, of great leaders, men and women, um, uh, that are way better at doing what they do than I could ever be. And so I release them to do what they do best. Did and you pray for those people? God, yes. bring me an HR director. God, yes. bring me. You did. We absolutely did. And, and then how they, did you know that it was? Well, that person. Um. 
I will, our current HR leader who has a whole staff, she, by the time we hired her, I had a team of people around me and a great board of directors who knew that she was the one. And so I'm like, I trusted them. She's in there. She is so gifted and, and she's put together a team. So she, when she says, this is the right person, like she, like I felt God leading me step by step how to actually raise this ministry up. So it was like sort of an apostolic kind of anointing. But with her, she's laser focused on, is this the right person for this position? And she has an anointing to know who to hire and who not to hire. I, I saw the only way I know how to explain it. So great. Uh, let me take one step further because we do have a lot of listeners. We're really proud of our show, our podcast, and you know, the hand of God's all over it. Like you can't explain it like, Eli's good. I think I'm pretty good, but we ain't that good. And you have to have God's, you got to have God's anointing on it or you're going to hit a ceiling. And I yes. feel like, you know, we're just going, I say that to say this, what's the biggest need right now for mercy, for mercy multiplied? If, if people are listening, what do you need? What does mercy multiply need? What's the biggest need? Probably, you know, the, the biggest need is for more people maybe to become uh, partners with us, whether that's a monthly gift or an annual gift, because we are, we, we still to this day do not charge the girls anything. And we're, we're believing God for more people so that we can do more for the kingdom. And we have property in the panhandle of Florida near right between Destin and Panama city. And we already have all of our approvals from Walton County, which is a miracle. All of our construction documents, we have everything to good to go. And, uh, but we, we don't have the funds to build the building, but the property's all paid for. It's prime property, and that's a uh, that area is known for sex trafficking and drug running wow. and all kinds of runaways, everything. And so we're believing God for the finances to build that facility. So operating operating, and also uh, uh, the the uh, millions that it will take to build that building. But we, we build all the buildings first class. We keep them up. and Beautiful. Yeah. Like I've seen, I watched the video before we started talking. Lauren showed me like some of your built like UK and so, like it's beautiful. New Zealand, yeah, New Zealand. That's what it was. I yeah. couldn't come. To, Very beautiful. contemporary build over there. Yes. Yeah. And do you love that? Love being involved yeah. in that? And yes. That's fantastic. And our UK director, who basically uh, has got free uh, keys to freedom, going all across Europe and leading the charge and getting all the languages, uh, you know, that are that that it's being translated into. Um, she's an amazing leader in the UK. So, uh, and we have an amazing leader in Canada. So, so basically I have been able to see God multiply leadership and anointing in these amazing leaders in other countries. And I don't have to babysit them. They know exactly what they're doing. And it's, and we're divinely aligned with the heart and vision and purpose. Same, same heart, same vision, same purpose. So how can people partner with you? Do they go to a website? I mean, they could follow you on, on Instagram. I yes. Do. Yes. And I follow you too. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, our website is mercymultiplied.com mercymultiplied.com you can go on there you can get information about anything you want but there is a, a, a an area where it's you can hit how to give and you can, people can give online people can give via text uh people can give just the norm we've had people drive by here before and felt god moved them to come in, in and make a donation people never i just pass by here all the time and i just keep Feeling God telling me I'm supposed to bring a check to y'all, so here's money. That's Amen. happened a bunch of times. 
a bunch of times, but not, but the best way, if you want to be a monthly partner, um, it, you decide the amount, you know, we have a, the low level entry of monthly partnership or the lowest level we have organized that is, it could be $5 a month and we'd be grateful for it. But we have a, what we call 360 program and it's $30 a month, which equals 360 a year. And, and then, so a lot of our graduates are in that level, but then we also have, uh, I want to tell the story real quick, if you don't mind. Absolutely. Um, have you ever heard of a young lady that had the, she's a businesswoman and entrepreneur. She's absolutely gorgeous. And her name is Sarah Young, and she is the founder of Sarah Sells. Eli? You have on. Yeah. Okay, well, it's amazing because she gets this high-end furnishings from, like, all over. It's, it's high quality, and she, she has a branch in, uh, out in College Grove and has mm -hmm. a branch in Memphis and is starting a branch in Birmingham. She actually, and people know her from all over. And uh, she's happily married with uh, beautiful children. But her oldest daughter, it, when you see her picture with her mother, her oldest daughter, they look like they're sisters. And there's a reason. Because when Sarah, who owns Sarah Sales, was 16 years old, she walked through the doors of that building right across the driveway from where we are right now, pregnant with the child. And she came with the idea that she was going to place her baby for adoption. But we have basic decision-making classes so the girls can weigh both. Wow. And by the time she gave birth, she knew she was going to keep her daughter. And her daughter is now, I think, 24 years old. And her mom is Sarah of Sarah Sales. And wow. she's, and it's just so awesome because I had her share her story at a couple of years ago at, at the Music City Center where we had a fundraiser in the first part of December. And when I, she didn't say, you know, she just said she was a businesswoman. Business so when she got through telling her story and, and she had her daughter come up, you know, and everything, and her daughter's gorgeous and she's beautiful. They're just gorgeous. And they do look like sisters. But anyhow, so when I said this, by the way, Sarah happens to be the owner of Sarah Sales. There was like a collective gasp in the audience, you know, because all the women. No way. They, yeah, they all go. I mean, like yeah. thousands of people line up on the weekends to go. And she, she, she and Jim, her husband, he fully supports her, but they, they have this big, massive truck and they go to market and they buy this bulk amount of high end furniture and they could sell it for a lot less than what you can get it for. And she, she's going to open up a new place in Birmingham pretty soon. That is so fantastic. But she, but she was 16 and walked right through the stores and now, and get, and you know what else? We actually asked her about two years ago, would she come on our board of directors? Mm -hmm. And at first she was a little bit like, why would y'all want me? I said, well, first of all, you're a very successful businesswoman and, and, and you're bright and we need somebody younger on the board. You would be the youngest person on the board at this point, but also you would be the thing that, well, she said, but what qualifies, qualifies me? And I love it. It wasn't me that said this to her, but it was the men, businessmen on our board they said, Sarah, what qualifies you is you will be the only person on the board that's had the experience of actually going through the program wow. and becoming this amazing wife, mother, and successful business person. And she's a very valuable board member. I and bet. I'm so proud of her because she jumped right in. Was not She's never shy about sharing what she thinks, giving her opinion, and she's very confident. And it's just awesome. You are so awesome. That is the... That's awesome. It's just, it's, and it's crazy too. Like when I think back of, you know, the, the girl that you were picking on and she invited you, like those prayers, like what if, 
what if they didn't invite you? Like, exactly. look at what wouldn't have happened. The connections, the lives saved, just making this planet a better place for God. You know, yes. making this place look like that place. And to there. this day, I'm still in touch with my cheerleader friend. Are you serious? And I actually set her up with uh, in college with a guy, and they ended up getting married, and they, uh, uh, all their kids are grown now, of course. And but but I'm having dinner with her in a couple of weeks. So, so we cool. every year on my birthday, she calls me. And you love cheerleaders now? Sure. <laughs> Two more things before I let you go. One, um, we have a little, uh, we have a youth group in our backyard. We do it once a month. We call it Gen Z because um, I have three kids, my two teenage boys, 15 and 13. Uh, a lot of their friends won't go to church with them, but they'll come to my house. And their yeah. parents are comfortable coming to our house. But, you know, some are different denominations and, you know, a lot of them are not believers right. at all. So parents will let them come to our house, swim, eat pizza, and then I'll bring in different speakers or, you know, I'll preach. Well, last night, um, really small, only about 20 kids were there. And long story short, I talked on identity. And at the very end, I asked, and I was not going to go in this direction. I don't know why I did. But at the very end, um, I asked, is there anyone here tonight out of 20 kids that have thought about suicide and suicide being a good option and it's actually crossed your mind. It sounds good. And two girls raised their hand. And wow. it broke my heart because yeah. these are the girls sitting next to my sons in class. And, you know, we live in Williamson County. And this is the ninth wealthiest county in America. And, like, they come from good families. And it's like, how is that happening? And what can parents do to, like, help? Like, what do you see? Because I kind of feel like you're the pro in this. And you definitely have an anointing for it. I would really strongly encourage uh, parents not to get too busy to notice, for one thing. And uh, there, you know, there's, if somebody's struggling with depression or they start isolating or they start spending all their time online and never come out of their room, there's just a lot of things like that. I mean, I just think, I just encourage uh, uh, friends uh, to also, the peer group, you, we need to look after each other too, even because somebody who's a teenager, like your your boys that know Jesus, yeah. you know that those are significant peer relationships that can make a difference. Like my friend, yeah. who I she ended up praying me into the kingdom, and and I'm so thankful for her to this day, even though I didn't treat her very well. We laugh about it now, but um, but but I think I the Netflix series Thirteen Reasons Why. Uh, was about a girl in high school that committed suicide. And it's a very dark series. I'm not necessarily promoting people go watch it, but I watched it because it was it was what walks through our doors every day, girls that come that have tried, had serious suicide attempts, one right after another, and basically wake up in the hospital mad because it didn't work, mad because somebody found them, mad because they got rescued. They wanted out of life. And so we get a lot of girls like that walking through our doors. And I would, if you're out there and you're going through that or you know somebody's going through it, you know, st stay in touch with them. Encourage them to reach out for help because the girl in the Netflix series didn't reach out for help and she took her life. And so my answer to that series was I wrote a book called 13 Reasons Why You Can't Argue With a Changed Life. 
And it's 13 individual stories of girls who had multiple serious suicide attempts, and they ended up coming to Mercy with no hope, and they walked out the doors full of hope, full of life, full of joy, ready to live their life, knowing that God has a plan and purpose for their life, and their life is not to be taken, but to be used, and uh, by God to help other people. And the same way you got help, now you can go help other people kind of thing. And so those 13 girls let me tell their stories in this book. It's 13 individual chapters of each girl's story of what happened and why and how their outcome was so much different simply because they chose to reach out for help and they had a place to come and get the right kind of help. You're awesome. One of the things that Lauren told me when she was walking me around, she goes, you know, one thing that Nancy loves to say, she goes, you know, you can – we argue about so many things nowadays. You can argue about, you know, whatever, if it's God's will to heal or not, you could argue about, you know, right or left or, you know, pro-life, pro-choice, whatever she goes. But the one thing Nancy always says is in a day and age where so many people argue about things, you can't argue with a changed life. That's right. I mean, you can't. That's one of I mean, my favorite argue. things to say. <laughs> and then you also have one thing on your desk that says something about girls that play nice or something. What is that? Yeah. What is that? Yeah. Uh, well-behaved women rarely make history. <laughs> that's that's right on my desk man i love it so anyway uh and then the other thing i say a lot when i'm speaking somewhere is when i'm telling the story about you know the government background and how god led me to do this that got that 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 out of those eight years of working for the government i came uh to know one thing, I learned one thing. God has not anointed the government to heal broken hearts Ooh. and set captives free. He's anointed us to do it. That's a mic drop moment. I felt <laughs> something when you said that because it's so true. Right. Oh, I get so mad when people rely on the government for anything. Right. Ugh. I love you. I am so glad you let me come here. You let us come here. And do this, um, honestly, I just, I really do. I don't, I'm such an over word, you know, use word blessed, but I, I feel blessed in this moment. Hey, and honored I, I to be do here. too, man. And I, I'm so honored to know you and I'm so glad that we're going to be forever friends. We really are. We're going to do life together. I, I want to see you face to face at least twice a year. Okay. Can let's we make do that it. happen? Before I let you go, we always ask our guests to drop one quote, uh, one story, one encouraging word, something to help the listeners level up and for you i mean you can go in so many directions because you are a businesswoman you're a visionary you're you know can i call you a prophetess you operate in the prophetic you pray for people you're an evangelist like whatever's on your heart to share with someone to level up what would it be i would just say to to have a uh a genuine love and concern for other people don't get so wrapped up in your own life that everything's about you like authentically connect with people like you and I have an authentic connection because God gave it to us right off the bat. Amen. And that's what makes life special to me is the genuine, authentic God connections that I have in my life. So level up with those God connections. And if you don't have a connection with God, uh, then you need to get one so you can experience what I'm talking about. Amen. There it is, Eli. Love it. Did you love it? Oh, so good. This one's getting broadcasted well within the next two weeks. Right. <laughs> thank you so much, Nancy, for letting us come here and for being on. And thank you. Like she said, have a connection. Have a connection with us. If you like today's episode, please like, subscribe, and share like we ask you every week. Uh, no brainer. You need to share this one with somebody because 
there's 25 things in this podcast today, at least that someone can level up and someone you could bless someone. So uh, please like subscribe, share, leave a comment. If you love Nancy Alcorn, leave a comment and we will send it to her. Thank, thank you, you so much for tuning in. Thank you, Nancy. Thank you. You are the bomb. Thank you, com. And thank you for listening. Thank you, Eli. Your gift from God. This is another week of level up. Thank you.